Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Now, McCullough, you know I tell you this every time we have somebody come in. There's a gift came in the house. All right? A gift came in the house. God brought a gift into this house tonight. And you got to pull from it. You got to pull from this gift. Because God brought him here tonight to give you something. I'm going to tell you. If you don't get it, I'm going to get it. I'm going to be like a sponge and just soak it up. Amen. Listen, I've only met Jacob tonight. But we talked just a few minutes in the office, and it doesn't take long to to know I'm talking to a man of God. I'm talking to one who is hungry. I'm talking to one that is desiring to see God move, and he's willing to move for God. So I want us tonight, all the way from Hamilton, Alabama, the ramp, Karen Wheaton, this is Pastor. Come on, let's give Jacob Peterson a great big hand tonight. Come on, guys, give him a hand, all right? Thank you, Lord. Just remain standing right there. Lift both hands to Jesus. Oh, we love your presence, Lord. We love your presence, Jesus. Come on, just even right now in your own words, just begin to lift up Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha. Come on, he's here right now. The name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Yeshua, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We declare here tonight, in this room, in this atmosphere, in Atmore, Alabama, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We say, Holy Spirit, we want to be reverent to you tonight. We want to lean in to you tonight. We want to lean into the wind of the Spirit the moving of the Spirit, the flowing of the river. And we say, Lord, even throughout this entire conference, Lord, as the river is flowing even now, Lord, we will flow with the river. <laughs> we will flow in the river. Lord, we say we want the river to take control. We want the river to flow out of here. We want it to be so strong. We don't know what to do. We don't want to fight against the current. We want to flow with the current, Lord. For Ezekiel would prophesy and say, I saw a river coming out of the temple and it was ankle deep, then it was knee deep, then it was waist deep, then it was over his head. And from that river flows healing to the nations, Lord. And I, I declare tonight, out of this church will flow a river to the nations. There'll be a river, Lord, to the porch community, Lord. There'll be a river to Pensacola, Florida. There'll be a river to Mobile, Alabama. There'll be a river that hits the surrounding region. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Come on, church. Do you feel His presence tonight? Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, there's just a... such a strong anointing in the house that... Honestly, you, you don't really want to go any further. You don't really want to do anything. You just kind of want to soak it in. How many of you guys feel that tonight? Amen. Well, you can be seated. And I'm just going to uh, just share and just, man, I just love the heart of this church. And 
Um, Pastor Cornelius, it's such an honor to be here. You guys have an amazing pastor. Do you know that? Can you honor your pastor and his wife tonight? Whenever I, I have the privilege of going to different churches and I find a senior pastor, I connect with a senior pastor who has a heart for the youth, it just so stirs me that he's saying we are hungry for revival. We're hungry for our youth to be on fire. We are hungry for a move of God. And that's, that's what you guys have here. And I'm telling you, there is just a... Uh, just a thick anointing. Do you guys feel that? It's like, it's just thick in the house almost to the point where you can just do whatever you want to do in the presence. Does that make sense? Like, I, I just feel that so strongly. And I have a uh, somebody who I, I love and honor deeply. Um, it's, it's the Stockstill family out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Bethany World Prayer Center. And uh, years ago, I heard uh, Joel Stockstill, his, uh, Pastor Larry's son, lives in Dallas now. I went to one of their conferences uh, called 220, and all of their logos on like t-shirts and everything was a hippo. And I'm like, is this is like a zoologist community? Like, are they just passionate about animals, or you know, because it's like a Christian conference and their logos are hippopotamuses, you know, and um, there's a very famous hymn called I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. And, you know, it, I, I just, I was like, what's, this, what's up, the hippo thing? And then, like, all of his social media handles are, is on Instagram, at hippo float. And so it's very interesting. I'm like, okay, what, what's up with the hippo thing? And I heard him explain it one time, and he said, all I want to be is a hippo. He said, because hippos, if you've ever seen a hippo, they're huge. They weigh you know, thousands and thousands, two and three tons. And if you ever notice that they just kind of waddle around all day long. Well, if you see them, they have to carry so much weight that in order to get relief from the weight, they just walk into the river and float around. And he said, listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes life can get heavy and life can weigh you down and all you need to do is walk into the river and let the river float you around and just get in the river of the Holy Ghost and the presence of God. And man, I'm just, I just feel that. I feel just a river in the house tonight. And listen, the Bible promises that you guys, that, that this conference is going to go from glory to glory. And, and I believe that tonight, and uh, Pastor Cornelius shared with me that this is y'all's first time to ever do this. And I'm the first speaker on the first night, so I'm just extremely honored to be a part of this, be a part of this movement. And then tomorrow night you have a, a mighty evangelist coming. I mean, a mighty evangelist. I, I got to connect with him at uh, Brownsville. Uh, we were ministering at the Winter Brandon by Fire in, in January, and I was there for uh, one of the nights where he preached. And I'm telling you, listen, if you're believing for somebody to get saved, bring them tomorrow night. Like literally, the, uh, I, I, I talked to him after, I said, brother, you are a true evangelist. Like, like legitimately, like evangelist. Like I'm saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, burning for God more than ever before, and I almost got saved. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, like this guy, and you'll, you'll see it's this really intense English accent. It's just, he's just anointed. So, just get ready. I mean, I, when I found out he was coming the second night, I was like, come on. So seriously, bring, if you have any lost friends or family members, just say, listen, just come with me tomorrow night. Come with me tomorrow night. I, I guarantee you, when he gives those altar calls, it is the anointing to reach the harvest. So make sure you bring people tomorrow night. And again, I'm just honored to be here and just to dive in uh, to this word with you tonight. And I'm just, I'm believing just for the Lord tonight to do only what He can do. And, and I, I feel that so strongly, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that um, I have a word and I have notes, but they're not, my, my, my notes aren't sacred, if that makes sense. I can, uh, Holy Spirit, when He taps on my shoulder and says, okay, it's time for you to be quiet, it's time to be quiet, and we'll just pray in the altars and get messed up in the Holy Ghost. Does that sound good? If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 4. 1 Samuel chapter number 4. 
while you're flipping there, I also want to introduce you to a couple very special people to me. Uh, two amazing women of God, all the way from Hamilton, Alabama, with the Ramp School of Ministry. Ms. Andrea and Mama Ann Kozad. And if you've noticed, in the foyer, they have a Ramp School of Ministry uh, booth set up. I'm uh, actually, I'm an instructor in the School of Ministry, and I'm also over the missions department. So I have the privilege of investing into the missionaries and commissioning them. This year, we're commissioning, uh, we're sending teams to Alaska, Ecuador, United Kingdom, Guatemala, Philippines, and India, and Sri Lanka. And we're sending all of our Ramp School of Ministry students. Last year, we sent 78 uh, students on fire for the Holy Ghost to the United Kingdom. We just blanketed the entire country with the gospel and the fires of revival. So connect with them. Um, if you're interested at all in just connecting to the Ramp School of Ministry, you might be in a place where you're saying, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do in my next step. I want to encourage you to grab some information because our vision, we believe that every life has global significance. And we believe that uh, our mandate as a Ramp School of Ministry is to raise up leaders of a global awakening. So if you feel called to worship, if you feel called to dance, which by the way, dance team, can you guys honor that dance team? That was anointed on another level. We have uh, a, a, a dance major where people can come and be trained and equipped uh, in the area of dance to reach people with the message of the gospel. Obviously missions, like I mentioned earlier, worship, uh, leadership, so many different areas you can connect to. And overall, we're just all about the presence of Jesus. So we begin our day at the Ramp School of Ministry. First thing, 8 a.m. prayer. 8 to 9 a.m., we just seek God. And sometimes uh, we can't pull it back in. It just explodes and we're going after God all morning long. And then there's sometimes in classes in the middle of teaching. Boom, Holy Ghost will fall and we throw out our notes and we just flow in the prophetic and pray for people. It is just it's, I love and I'm so honored to be a part of it. So if you want more information, feel free to connect that with them. They'll be out there to answer any questions you have. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter number 4. Now, I'm going to read this text, and uh, I'm going to read verse, four, verse 1 all the way through verse 11. So 11 verses, but I want to track... I want you to track with me here as I read this. This is a very interesting text in 1 Samuel 4, and it says this, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistine encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel, and when they had joined battle, Israel was de defeated by the Philistines. Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of, of the men. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hands of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they may bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim, and the two sons, everybody say, Hophni, and Phineas. Say it again. Say Hophni and Phineas. Not to be confused with Phineas and Ferb, okay? We're there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Verse 5. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hands of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. See, if I ended right there, I could preach on that all day long. I could preach on when you get defeated by your enemies, go get the ark. I could preach on, listen, when you don't know what to do in the battles of life, go get the ark. And when the ark comes in, come in with a shout. See, I could do it, and I could get the organ behind me and, da -da, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I could, we could go in right there, and it would be a good message, and it would be powerful, but... The Bible doesn't end there. It keeps on going. After, they, after the Philistines, after the, after the enemies of Israel 
are afraid, somebody steps up and says, Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a great slaughter. There fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. You see, this is a very interesting story because I remember the first time reading it and I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, this is getting good. Like, come on, there's a shout in the camp, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're having a, a Pentecostal throwdown because the ark came into the camp and they're about to go do work on the Philistines. But then all of a sudden the story takes a change and when they go in to take the land, they are defeated. So I have to look back and I have to say, okay, God, it worked for Joshua. It worked when God told Joshua, I want you to go take the promised land, take the ark, walk into the Jordan. When you walk into the Jordan, the Bible says that the Jordan parted and it rose up on heat and they walked across on dry ground until everyone was across and then the priest walked over. And then I remember the story where Joshua and the children of Israel, God gives a word to them and tells them to march around the walls of Jericho seven days and at the end of the seven days shout, and then the walls will fall. I remember that. And, and honestly, the majority of the ingredients are there. They're there for war. They're there to fight the enemies of God. They have the ark and they have a shout. Why, therefore, were they defeated? How did they miss it? How did they mess up? How did the most sacred element of their religion in those days, of, 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 of Judaism in those days, of the, the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, why then did they allow the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim to get taken by the enemy and 30,000 to get killed? And I, I want to share this with you. When the priests aren't pure, we can't have victory. When... The priests aren't walking according to who God has called them to be. There could be no victory. Let me read this word to you in 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse 9. You're going to know it as soon as I begin to read it. But you are a chosen generation. Say chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's, that's new covenant that, that, that shows us, okay, here we are. We fast forward all the way, all the way a couple thousand years to the New Testament where Peter, the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, is now saying to the church, the early church, he's saying, listen, you are a chosen generation. You're all a royal priesthood. See, before, in order to be a priest, you had to be born of the lineage of Aaron. You had to be a descendant of Levi, of the lineage of Aaron. And you had to be uh, of the family in order to be a priest. Can I tell you, when you get saved, you immediately become a part of the family. So here he is. He's saying, listen, you're, we're, this is who we are. We are a holy generation. There's the H word, a holy generation, a royal priesthood. So we're all priests. That's who we are. That's our DNA. That's who we're called to be. God is identifying us as priests. Therefore, we're called to walk in victory. And we're not called to have culture change us. We're called to change culture. We're not called to have the school system affect us. We're called to affect the school system. We're not called college campuses to affect us. We're called to affect college campuses. Politics don't affect us. We affect you. Get where I'm going with this. That's who we are. But listen, this is where I'm seeing a lot of uh, uh, a lot of what's going wrong. What what's happening in, in my generation right now? And and Pastor and I talked about it before service of of what's grieving. Our heart right now is we're seeing a generation that on paper they're priests, but on the inside they're not. Can I tell you, you can have the title of priest just like Hophni and Phinehas, 
But at the end of the day, outward appearance does not move God. It's by inward consecration. God does not look at the outward appearance. That's what he says to David a few chapters ahead in 1 Samuel. God does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And here we find Hophni and Phinehas. So let's look at Hophni and Phinehas and let's see where they messed up. This is 1 Samuel chapter number 2, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli, Eli was... The, the, the priest over the house of God where Samuel was dedicated as a Nazarite and put into the tr- uh, trust of, of Eli. It says this, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom, I'm going to say the priest's custom, with the people that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come in with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling, Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up, so they did in Shiloh, to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you but raw. And if the man said to him, You know, they really should burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, He would then answer him, no, you must give it now. If not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men, the sin of Hophni and Phinehas, was very grateful for the Lord, for for they abhorred, or they treated with contempt. They despised the offering of the Lord. They despised the offering of the Lord. And this this is where they begin to miss it. Okay. Number one, they begin to, to despise the offering of the Lord. Now, within the book of Exodus and in the book of Numbers and the book of Leviticus, you will find God giving to Moses all the details of how the priests are to conduct the service of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting and how they are to serve in the tabernacle and how when the children of Israel or the, the, the children of Levi, the Levites, the priests, they were to serve in the temple. That was to be their job, that was to be their duty. They were not, they did not have part-time jobs on the side to provide for their family. Their work provided for their family by the people. Whenever they would bring peace offerings and wave offerings and certain offerings of that nature, they would bring them. And from those offerings, some would be offered to the Lord, but then some, according to the Levitical law, would have been given to the priests to be eaten. Okay? So here we find they have a right to go, according to the law of God, to go and to take of some of the food for themselves. Levi detailed exactly how much they're supposed to take, when they're supposed to take it, how they're supposed to take it. But we find a very interesting word there. It says this, that it was according to the priest's customs. At some point, they forgot what this said, and they begin to make their own rules. They begin to take more than what God had provided for them. And this is where it's scary. This is where... I fear our generation is starting to begin to veer off into. When we leave the fear of the Lord concerning the word of God, we get into a dangerous place. It says it was according to the priest custom. That means they chose what they wanted when they wanted, and they went and took it before they were allowed to take it, okay? They begin to say things like, listen, I know God said that, but that's not what he really meant. He begins to say things like, you know, I know priests are supposed to live that way, but you know what? I'm just not convicted by that. Don't you love that scripture that says, thou shalt make thine own convictions? Second opinions, chapter 4, verse 8. If thou dost not like thine word, thine holy word, make it up yourself. If thou dost not like marriage, according a man and a woman, make it up yourself. 
And that's what I'm afraid of what's happening right now is we have a generation that's trying to bend the Word of God to meet their fleshly desires. Well, well, and, and I say this in humility, I say this in love, and I say this especially when I preach to our generation because I in no way want to, this issue has been addressed poorly in the past by certain individuals, but I want to treat it with love and grace, but at the same time I can't allow my generation to walk into deception. Because I, just to be really honest with you, there, there's uh, someone, I, you know, a family member of mine who has battled same-sex attraction. And I found them, and, and someone told me, you know, they were talking to him saying, you know, well, what's going on? Like, what's happening? And he said something along the lines of, I'm just, you know, I'm just praying about whether or not God wants me in this relationship or not. Like, my heart just broke, like, like, and I, I believe the, one of the problems is, is people have so made sexual sin and pornography and same-sex attraction. They've made it, they, they've bent it in a way to say, oh, well, you know, you struggle with that. Okay, man, well, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with that your entire life. But still get married and, you know, try your best not to think those thoughts. You're just going to have to deal with it. No, no, no. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Listen, I want to tell you that there's power in the blood of Jesus that breaks every chain. doesn't matter how long you've been in it, no matter how dark you're in, doesn't matter how strong the grip of sin is on your life. There's nothing stronger than the blood of Jesus. doesn't matter how big the sin is, how dark the sin is, how bad it makes you feel. When the blood of Jesus hits it, there's freedom. Oh, there's freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom. Listen, I was, I, I, I feel the Lord's given me, you know, an anointing and a faith to see young men and young women delivered from pornography. It burns in me. Why, why, why do I feel that? Because I myself was bound by pornography for years. For years. I was bound by it, and I was caught in the cycle of it. The, the cycle of go to the altar, cry and repent, Get up, be good for two or three weeks, fall back into it. Go to the altar, cry and repent. Go to the altar, cry and repent. Go home. I think I'm done with this. Fall right back into it over and over and over again. And I begin to say, is this what it's supposed to be like? Do I just have to like struggle through life? No, 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 no. There was a moment where Jesus came into my life. And I'm telling you, man, there is a place of freedom through the blood of Jesus that is greater than anything you can ever imagine. Listen, I used to, I used to think, all right, my whole life I'm going to have to have filters on my phone. My whole life I'm going to have to have filters on my phone, and I, I won't, I, I'll never be able to have a laptop. And, and, and just because I know if I get around an open door to it, I'm going to go through it. But can I tell you, Paul said this, I am crucified of the world, and the world is crucified to me. And I want to tell you, listen, there's a place of freedom where none of that stuff can move you. And listen, if he can do it for me through pornography, he can do it for your same-sex attraction. He can do it through your jealousy. He can do it through your gossip and slander. It's not like he, it's not like Jesus is like, oh man, same-sex attraction. Father, I really need some help on this one. He's like, oh man, what are we going to, no, 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 no. There's power if he died for one sin, he died for all of them, church. If he died for one, he died for them all. They begin to make their own rules. It's according to the priest's custom. They begin to call their own shots. Number two, it says this, they took the fat before it was to be burnt. In essence, the priests... We're giving people permission not to burn. They're saying, no, 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 you don't have to burn. It's okay. Just give it to me now. But in reality, the priests were called to call people to burn. What does that mean? Your lifestyle is meant to be a lifestyle that stirs other people up to burn for God. That 
Romans talks about this, which I was just in Israel in January is phenomenal. If you listen, everybody needs to go to Israel. It's out of this world. While I was there, I was reading, I was reading Romans, and he talks about, Paul talks about, he says, concerning reaching the Jewish people, he said this, we are to provoke them to jealousy. And I believe that not, that not only is true for the Jews, but that's true for everybody we come in contact with. Does your walk with Jesus provoke people to jealousy to say, whatever that person has, I want it. Whatever they have, I want it. it we're called to give people permission to burn for God and say, listen, God is greater than you can ever imagine. God, listen, praying in the Holy Ghost is greater than any drop of alcohol you can find. Listen, I found a joy that's greater than any bar room that you can walk into, any greater than any joint, any greater than any strip club. There is a power in the name of Jesus. Listen, there's a place in worship that you can get. That's why Paul said, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, man, I, I believe there's a place in the Holy Ghost where we can get that people at the casino down the road and be playing. I got a thousand on black 21. I don't know. I don't, I don't gamble. I'm, <laughs> hit me. You know what I'm saying? And what if when they said, hit me, the Holy Ghost hit them? And they started sweating. They started taking off their blazer. Is it hot in here to you? And they're telling the people, listen, can you turn the air up? They start sweating. They say, hit me again. And they hit again. And then next thing you know, you got people praying in the Holy Ghost in the casino. And they're putting down their Jack Daniels because they tasted something greater. They tasted something better. Or there's somebody about to go gamble away. And about to go sleep with people, about to go party and live it up. But they're pumping their gas at their gas station. And you're standing there and you're pumping gas in your Chevrolet Z71. And they're hearing a song come through the speaker saying, I don't, what's that joy song? I got several joy songs going through my Holy Ghost right now. They're hearing a song about the joy. What's the one Catherine sings? Yeah, that's it. I got joy down in my soul. I got a peace that I won't let go. And they're pumping gas going, what did that just say? Wait, they got a what? What, what brand of alcohol are you drinking to get this joy? You say, it's called Acts chapter 2, honey. Lift up your hands and receive it. I just believe that our lifestyle as a Christian, people, you know, people say, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to church. It's like, for a funeral? We're called to, young people, you're called to sit in language class and be so full of the Holy Ghost. You're just, you're just beaming. Talking about punctuation and <laughs> Napoleon, and you're just like, they're like, man, you must really love history. And eventually, when it's, you know, schools, you know, I said it's not, there's always like the dreaded part of the year, like August, like you go back and it's like, you smell the weird smell of the school. Everybody's in new clothes. It just feels weird. Then you get used to it, and football season comes, and it's October, and it's like, okay, this is fun. Then Christmas break. But then January's the worst month of the year. It's like dark outside. It's rainy every day. It's just like depressing. I believe that God wants to do such a work in you that you come in in January, and the same fire you got right now is still in you in January. And eventually they're going to say, what is wrong with you? That's actually been one of the greatest things some people's ever said to me. What's your problem? There must be something wrong with you. I say, oh, yeah, yeah, something's wrong with me. I got saved. I got called by God. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And what he did for me, he wants to do for you too. 
because secretly they're wanting it. Secretly they can debate us all they want. But at the end of the day, there's something that yearns in them for what you have. They want what you have. And we as priests are called to give people permission to burn for God. No, I'm thriving. I'm burning. This Christianity thing is not boring. Corey Russell from IHOP in Kansas City, he said this. You know, I've heard people say, they say, you know, the Bible's just boring. He says this, the Bible's not boring. You're boring. He said, have you read Genesis 1? In the beginning, God. Well, what, like, he said, you can, sit, you can stay there for years. In the beginning, God. Well, when was God's beginning? And what was before God? Like, literally, like, what? And you literally, you get caught up in this mystery. And you read in Ezekiel of Ezekiel praying by the river. And all of a the sudden, they're coming this crazy heavenly visitation. And literally, at one point, Ezekiel is praying. And he feels the hand of God wrap his hands in the locks of his hair and lift him up. Now, that's what I call prayer. I'm like, Lord, part of me wants that to happen. Part of me is like, I don't know if I'm ready yet. Like, like no, no, no. I want, I want people to look at my life and say, whatever that dude's got, I want it. We're called to give people permission to burn. Another area that they begin to, that really caused their downfall was, it says this, they committed sexual sin with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle. And I find this so interesting because you see this progression now. I never, you know, I just tend to believe that Hophni and Phinehas, you know, there's no biblical indication of this, but I, I, I believe that they started off good. You know what I'm saying? They're the son of Eli, they're the sons of Eli, they're priests in the temple, but at some point when they stopped following the rules of God and started making up their own rules, they begin to stray away. And listen, I want to sh- I want to show you this. I bet you they never imagined to get that they would get to that point. Committing sexual sin with those coming to the tabernacle to worship God. And that shows me this. Listen, our shortcuts always lead to our compromise. And our compromise will always lead to greater sin. It's kind of like, listen, this is, this is tweetable, all right? Sin is like barbecue potato chips. You can't just have one. Can I get a witness? Have you ever picked up a bag and just like, I just want a bite, and you eat the whole bag? Which isn't that big of a feat because they're ripping us off by only giving us half a bag. Can I get a witness? Come on, Lay's. I want my money back. If I could have a chip company that filled the bags up, it would change the world, but no. I'm going to give you half a bag and charge you for a hole. But the the enemy, he'll, he'll he'll just give you a little taste. And, then, and it might not even be that big. It might just start as just an Instagram account with a sketchy girl that you need to unfollow. And you just keep following them and keep following. Then that turns to two accounts or turns to three accounts. Next thing you know, you're sliding into DMs. All, all my young people know what I'm talking about. They're like, I've never heard that terminology before. My goodness. And I, I find this, that whenever we begin to inch towards the line of compromise and sin, it's hard, it's a slippery slope and it's hard to get back. Listen, we can find this story illustrated perfectly in the life of Samson. Everybody say Samson. Now in the book of Judges chapter 13, we find the story of Samson. He's called to be a Nazarite. His mom has an angelic visitation and he's called to be a Nazarite according to number six. He cannot cut his hair. He cannot eat grapes. And he cannot go near a dead body. Then we find this in Judges chapter number 14. I love this. I was talking to one of our pastors, Pastor Brian. 
the first words that are recorded of Samson are this. I saw a woman. This is his first words. Of the Philistines, I want you to go get her for me. Which, according to the law of God, Israelites are not allowed to marry outside of the children of Israel. I want you to go get me this wife. His parents go to get him the wife. And the Bible says this. It says this. She was from a, a village of Timnah. Say, everybody said Timnah. So he's going to Timnah. And as he's going to Timnah, the Bible says this. It says that as he came upon the vineyards of Timnah. He came upon the vineyards of Timnah. And as he cuts through the vineyards of Timnah, it says this. A young lion roars against him to devour him, but he rips it apart as he would a baby goat. Okay? Pause. I've always preached, you know, the anointing will come on you to rip apart the, you know, the lion, the attack. But listen, hear me in this. Samson, what were you doing in a vineyard in the first place? According to his vow, he couldn't touch a grape. He couldn't go near it. And if you've ever been in a vineyard before, we have muscadines and scuppadines by my house. We have this a little small vineyard. And if you've ever been around them, as they begin to grow and mature, they begin to fall off the vine onto the ground. They're all over the ground. So either Samson was going to take his time to walk through, not to mess up, or he just didn't care. Because I'm not technically eating one. But the Bible said not just not to eat one, it says you cannot touch one. And that shows me this. Whenever we choose to take the shortcut of compromise, it leads us into the enemy's territory. It leads us into lion territory. Why? Because the Bible says that your adversary of the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then he rips apart this lion he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Listen, if it comes to maintaining the call of God on our life, not compromising, it's worth it to take the long way around. Can I tell you, church, just because it's easy doesn't mean it's God. There's still some stuff that our generation calls old school that's still new school. <laughs> God is God and He never changes. There's still a thing called prayer. There's still a thing called fasting. There's still a thing called praying through. All my parents know what praying through is. That means, listen, our, the generation that went before us, we, they, they understood. Our God is not a microwave God. What is He? He's a crockpot God. Come on, church. Listen, I, have you ever been at a drive-thru before and got annoyed because your food took longer than 30 seconds? You're like... Oh, my goodness. I've been here for 30 seconds. I want it free. Get the manager. You know what I'm saying? Like Starbucks, I'm timing you. If my triple hot soybean latte is not out in 15 seconds, I want a free drink. And I found, listen, there's still a thing called praying through. Listen, I remember being young, growing up, and going to church, and me, I, I, want, I wanted to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and it didn't happen right off the bat. And, you know, what normally people would just say, well, honey, maybe you'll get it next time. No. I had a group of intercessors around me. I wasn't getting up until I was speaking in tongues. Can I get a witness? Anybody else grow up in that before? We ain't leaving this altar until something changes. Just because it's easy doesn't mean it's God. And God will still tell us to do hard things. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow after me. When we choose to take the shortcuts, we find ourselves in dangerous places. The last thing, this was the root of all their causes, the root of all their issues. This is where Hophni and Phinehas missed it. It says this, They did not know the Lord. Think about that, guys. They were priests 
That means, according to Levitical law, they would have been anointed with oil. They would have been washed in water. They would have had the ceremonial robes. They would have had the outward appearance. They would have dwelt in the tabernacle. They would have been there day in and day out, only feet away from the Holy of Holies, where only one man could enter once a year. And Hophni and Phinehas, their Levitical tribe, they had the privilege of carrying the ark. They had the honor of carrying the ark. Not all priests were able to do that. Only a certain sect were. And they had the privilege of doing that. And yet they still did not know the Lord. And this is been burning me so much recently and it causes me to have the fear of the Lord but the simple truth that I Jacob Peterson can be in ministry preach good messages wear skinny jeans <laughs> write books have blogs pack out stadiums have a television show and still not know God. There's a scripture in Matthew 7 that literally causes the fear of God. Like literally, I, God brings it to me consistently just to keep the fear of the Lord. The Bible says where the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want to live in the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is a good thing, guys. Fear of the Lord is an amazing thing, guys. I want there's a song by Matt Gilman that says, I want my life to be a pleasing sacrifice. He says, give me the fear of the Lord. And I pray that, God, I want the fear of the Lord. And it says this in Matthew 7. It says this. It says, many, that word right there is scary. Many will come to me on that day, on the day of judgment, and say, Lord, Lord, did we not? prophesy in your name cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name he said I will look at them and say depart from me you workers of lawlessness for I never knew you that shows me this it is possible to have a thriving international ministry. Perform miracles, cast demons out of people, prophesy over people, read out, read their mail, call out their license plate numbers, see them healed from cancer, raise people up out of wheelchairs, and stand before God and not know the man sitting on the throne. Think about that, guys. Because the problem is, it is easy to create a Jesus in your mind. This is who Jesus is. But is, are we following the real Jesus? And I've just felt myself praying, God, I want to know you more than anything else. God, I want to know you. I want to know your voice. I want to know your presence. I want the real living did not know the Lord. Worship to you and go ahead and come on up. I, this message so burns in me because I believe the answer to seeing this nation turn back to God. How many of you, I love you what Pastor Colonia said, how many of you guys are just burning for revival? Like how many of you guys like, I watch the news, and it doesn't get me down. It just gets me this holy frustration. Not with people, not with politics. Because I, I'm telling you, man, all we can have, we can have the, a whole Congress full of, you know, people who love God. But unless we have revival, unless we have 
a nation-shaking revival. We're going to be caught in the same old cycle. We'll be caught in that same old cycle. And I, I, I watch the news and I'm seeing racial division across America. I'm seeing abortions taking place and, you know, homosexual marriage, all this stuff. And it's easy to get bogged down into that stuff. And if you get on Facebook, you just get, it's like just get vomited on with negativity. You know what I'm saying? It's just, but I find myself just saying, God, we need revival. And in order for him to do that, the priests have got to be pure. I have to. I have to. If I'm going to carry the ark of God, the presence of God, into my workplace, into my community, onto the college campuses, into the high schools, I want to be able to carry the weightiness of the glory of God. As I believe we're there, guys, I, I truly believe we're living in the greatest hour in history where God, I believe, listen, God is shaking America right now. I believe we're, gonna, we're seeing God pour out His Spirit even coming here to you guys, I just got, you know, it just stirs me to find a people burning for the things of God. It, it stirs me to find a people that says, on a Friday night, I'm not worshiping Dish TV. On a Friday night, I'm not going to be at home eating barbecue chips, watching, I don't know what. <laughs> I'm hungry for God. And that shows me God looks to and, th- to and fro throughout the earth. And he sees Atmore, Alabama. And he's saying, hold up, hold up. He's saying, guys, guys, come here, come here. Angels, come here, come here. There's a community here. Not a whole lot of the world's heard about it. In Atmore, Alabama. And I see their hearts. He's saying, Gabriel, 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 come here, come here. I see their hearts. They're hungry. They're hungry. They're not after... They're not after numbers. They're not after comfort. They're not after ease. They're after, uh, they're after me. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? They're after, they're after my presence. And, and you know how I get, guys. You know how I get. When people are hungry for me, I have to fill them. When people are thirsty for me, I have to fill them. And angels begin to move in the community. Listen, I, I, as I was driving in here, I kept on hearing this up on hearing just the, the, the words rural revival rural revival and when I was in Israel I found something I found something interesting while I was there as you know throughout scripture Jerusalem is like the epicenter of everything it still is I mean that's where King Jesus where Yeshua will return split the heavens he'll step down on the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives will split he'll enter into the eastern gate and he'll build the tabernacle of David. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to be there for it. You know what I'm saying? I was this close to moving there. Like, I'm going to be here, Lord, and you do you know? Jerusalem is the epicenter of everything. Like, Jer- like you can read throughout Scripture. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, all the way into the book of Revelation. Jerusalem. But when Jesus was on the earth for 33 and a half years, His ministry was not based out of Jerusalem. It was based out of the country. Listen, I've been to Galilee. It's Hamilton. It's Atmore. I'm telling you, it's farms and little small towns of a few thousand people. Think about that. Think about that. Jesus, God on earth, did not say, let me go to Jerusalem and build a ministry there. Because he could have, because there was thousands of people there. You know what he said? There's some small towns that a lot of people overlook. But that's where I'm going. And I just want to prophesy and declare that tonight. I just feel so strongly the Lord looking down at Atmore and saying, there's some people there. There's a remnant. There's some people there that you guys have been filling the bowls of intercession and prayer. And I just believe they're about to tip. They're about to tip. 
They're about to tip. I was so stirred even driving through the reservation on the way here, and I just began to think, God's about to, like, God's going to, He's hitting this area, guys. I, I just I just believe it. It's, it's the river that the Lord was saying at the beginning of service. It's going to flow out into trailers and into homes and into schools. They're beginning to fill it and say, man, something's moving. I just feel if you would just stand all over the room, I just want to, man, I just feel tonight is just a, just a, yes, I feel there's an element. I felt I needed to preach that to say, man, if you feel like you're a priest, but on the inside you're not really living it, let's get it right tonight. But I feel also there's just that greater hunger to say, God, I want to know you. God, I want you to move in this region. I want you to move in Atmore, Alabama. God, give me Atmore, Alabama. God, give us Atmore. If that's you and you just want more of God, you want to know more, I want you to come to the front. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together tonight. And I believe God is going to touch you in a fresh way. I believe God's going to release a fresh anointing in the house tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When you come to the altar, just lift those hands to Jesus. Lord, we're hungry tonight. Lord, we're thirsty tonight. There's a song that we sing in the rant that says, If you're looking for a people who are desperate for revival. And it says, We volunteer. We volunteer to be the place you pour your spirit out. We volunteer. I I just feel that tonight even in the house. It just says, God... Here in Atmore, we volunteer. (laughs) We volunteer. Church, if you volunteer, just lift those hands to Jesus right now. I see just a fresh fire being released right now in every heart. Fresh anointing, fresh fire. Fresh fire, Lord, fresh fire. Come on, just begin to pray that with me. Say, Lord, we volunteer. God, we want that in this church. We want it in our community. God, we want you to pour out your spirit here in this community, God, in every farmhouse, on every farmer, on the reservation, on every police officer. Lord, on every person, on people sitting in trailers shooting up meth right now. Pour it out, God. For people pulling up in old trucks, selling the meth, pour it out, Lord. And I just even feel that, Lord. If if there's a drug dealer tonight who's getting his stash ready as we speak, and he, I see him, he's putting it in the passenger seat of his truck, and he's about to go meet a client. Oh, let hot tears just begin to pour from his eyes once again. Oh, I feel feel that. Let the prayers of his grandmama begin to pound upon his heart and the weight of his transgression begin to fall on his heart and let him cry out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, rescue me. I don't want to live like this. Let him send a text that says, sorry, man, I can't do it. I just flushed my stash down the toilet. I can't do it. I'm turning my life around. I'm not going to live like this anymore. Lord, for young people, for youth sitting in fields around bonfires tonight, drinking beer, let the sound of heaven begin to flood their hearts once again. Let the sound of worship begin to flood their hearts once again. We prophesy to them and we say, Come home, son and daughter. For the prayers of a mother, praying for a prodigal son and daughter to get off 
up that up the back of the truck to put down the beer to hop in their car and drive home with tears streaming down their face we say come home I see that there's even a young lady who's called to lead worship but she's partying tonight God's gonna reach down and grab her and pull her out of darkness into his marvelous light tonight we prophesy to you and we say come home come home come home come home in Jesus name something and they pull up and they pull out their phone and they Google church near me and this church pops up on their Google Maps and I see them walking in still smelling like the bar still smelling like cigarette smoke and still a little bit hungover and I see them sitting on the back row but the power of God sobering them up in an instant and them running to an altar to get saved. I see that in Jesus' name. Lord, do that here in this church. Husbands coming to have affairs end up here at this church. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Real quick, I want to, I want to pray. I felt this. While the, while the dance team was ministering but if the dance team could come just line up here at the front I want to pray for you guys and anybody else in the youth group I just felt just to pray for the youth of the house any youth of the house I just want to pray for you guys when do you guys start school back? Monday some Friday, some Monday some on the 20th, 21st all the kids who started Monday are like how do y'all get to go on the 21st? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Man, I just, even as you guys were dancing, I, just, I, I see that, and you know this, it's just such a tool to reach your friends. And there's even going to be some people who are completely in the world, but they're going to hear about you dancing, and they're going to say, hey, you know, I like to dance. Can I be a part of that? And they're going to come and they're going to give their life to Jesus. I see it. That scripture where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And just a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. I know right now you guys might say, well, we're just, just, you know, we're just small, you're just a small group of kids. You know what I'm saying? What the Lord was saying there was do not despise small things. Because a small dash of something spreads throughout the entire thing. Just a small dash of leaven leavens the entire lump of bread. And the entire lump begins to grow. It's because of something. It's just a dash. And I just 
feel that, that literally you guys are just being like leaven in this community and leaven in your school and leaven amongst your friends. The awesome thing is, is that leaven just naturally begins to grow. The heat of the oven activates the leaven. And I see that right now in your own lives. The Lord is turning up the heat in Jesus' name. Lift your hands to the Lord. The Lord is turning up the heat, the fire of the Holy Ghost right now. Church leaders, elders, parents, if you just want to come, just lay hands on them right now. I just see heat being released over you guys right now. Heat just being released. Heat. Fire of God. Fire of God. More, more, more. 